Hello and welcome to the podcast on Broadwater Parish in Worthing, a thriving Anglican church based in the parish of Broadwater, West Sussex in Worthing. We are one church across three sites and Christians have worshipped for over a thousand years at our church at St Mary's. This podcast features sermons from our services and interviews and other episodes and you can find out more by going to broadwaterparish.org.uk. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy this most recent episode of the podcast. The reading today is from Ruth 1 verses 6 to 22. That's Ruth 1 verses 6 to 22. Naomi and Ruth returned to Bethlehem. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each one of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud, and said to her, We will go back to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn my back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite. 
her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. This is the word of the Lord. I have to say that last week, Andrew really uh, drew the short straw with his allocated passage, which was hardly an uplifting start to the new year. All the men in the reading died, and the response, thanks be to God, was rather muted, hopefully not mostly female. Fair play to Andrew, he did an excellent job as he always does, and certainly focused my mind on choices and just how important that word is throughout Scripture. In the first pages of Scripture, man is given the freedom to choose, to heed God's word, or not. Today, by and large, mankind has the same choice and has learned not a thing. Most of the hundreds of choices we make each day will either have no or minimal consequences. Some will change the course of history. I'm very glad that a man called John, who lived in a village in Devon in the 18th century, took a shine to a girl called Mary. I'm even more glad that when he asked her to marry him, she said yes. Had had she said no, I would never have existed and neither would my four daughters and seven grandchildren, which would be more of a loss. In our story this morning, we're looking at three related women who had some serious thinking to do. Their husbands weren't thinking anything anymore. To be widowed was a truly desperate situation, and if there were any choices, they were very limited. Naomi was descended from Abraham and knew God. Moab was a Semitic people also. All three of these women were descended from Abraham's father, but Moab worshipped false gods. It had been a bad idea to move to Moab, and Naomi knew it. It was literally a step backwards. The Hebrew tribes had journeyed through Moab in order to reach the promised land of God's provision and protection, which was always subject to trust and obedience as indeed it still is under the new covenant today. So why move? Bethlehem was the house of bread, where, as we have learned, Jesus, the bread of life, would be born. Potentially a wonderful place to live. Forget the bad press of nativities. Some of you will know I've got a thing about that. They're almost all completely wrong. The people were welcoming and hospitable, The Jews provide themselves on welcoming the stranger, let alone family. It was a safe place to live, comparatively so anyway. The land was fertile enough, even at high altitude. It was a a place where you could grow crops. So, a friendly community, certainly smaller than Findon Village, where most people knew most people, And likely, most people were related to most people. But through the 400-year period of the judges, the Hebrews repeatedly did what was right in their own eyes and sidelined God. There's a whole sermon on that particular sentence. They did what was right in their own eyes. 
The covenant was broken by man and God's provision was withdrawn. An agricultural and spiritual famine. When will we ever learn? Verse 6 tells us that whilst in Moab, Naomi learned that the famine in Bethlehem had ended. People had turned back to God. Should she go back? Dare she go back to the family and true God she had deserted? Was it her idea or even a joint idea to leave in the first place? Women have always had more influence than they are given credit for. Sarah, my wife, chuckled when she found something on her phone. (laughs) And she took some pleasure in telling me about it. She read it to me. This is what it said. My wife said this year she wanted a Christmas tree in every room. I said that one in the lounge is quite enough. So we discussed it like mature adults. And now we have a Christmas tree in every room. Rings a bell with men, I'm sure. The tone of our reading is that Naomi felt some responsibility for the situation she was in. When things go wrong, going further away from God is never the answer. It's much wiser to get closer to God. Naomi prepared to return. How often we get thus far and no further. But in verse 7, we read, she set out on the road that would take them back. Thinking is a good start, but action has to follow. But who was going back? Well, just Naomi. You can't go back somewhere you've never been. Spiritually, I've been in Naomi's position more than once. Nothing so distressing as this story of Naomi, but nevertheless, drifting away from where God wanted me to be. Even as a young Christian, I lacked direction. I needed to get back on track. I had heard said at church, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Jesus will last. But how? I felt I was on a road to nowhere helpful and in need of clear guidance. I needed a sign from God. And there are fewer more tedious jobs than the one I had working at the National Provincial Bank in North Devon. A letter dropped in my doormat, on my doormat one day asking me to attend an interview in London in order to work in the city at the overseas branch. Sarah will tell you that I'm a country boy and have a dislike of cities, particularly London. But I'd asked God to show me a way forward. It had to be a sign. The choice was mine and I accepted My life went in an entirely unexpected direction. Some of the episodes along the way were painful and distressing. But from where I am now, I wouldn't change it for the world. I am so blessed. Are you in a Naomi place at the moment? Do you feel that somewhere along the line you've taken a wrong turning? Or actually, no purposeful turning at all? Is your faith lukewarm? or even stagnating? Are you thinking that you would like to be back in communion with the bread of life? If so, don't just think about it. Set out on that road today. If you need a spur, consider this. Naomi was not in a good place and even gave bad advice when she tried to persuade Ruth and Orpah to remain behind. But initially, They both wanted to be with the person they loved. They saw something in her she didn't feel in herself. Maybe 
if you return to the Savior of Bethlehem, you won't be traveling alone. Your example and the influence you have on your children or close friends is much greater than you think. Naomi probably lived to regret her advice because Orpah took it. Verse 14, then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. That is one of the saddest sentences in the Bible. Orpah had loved and lost Killian, her husband. She'd failed to see enough in Naomi to make the right choice, and she took the bad advice instead. The kiss goodbye was the start of her road to oblivion. The Bible never mentions her again. Of course she had a life of sorts, however long or short. It was never promising. Whatever else happened, even if she did have descendants, the Moabite nation was completely destroyed in 582 BC by the Babylonians. They ceased to exist and were wiped from history. It may seem harsh to hear it, but the Bible pulls no punches. Everyone has a choice. Either the Messiah from Bethlehem, who became the Redeemer of Calvary, or oblivion. There are two possible roads to take, just two. A narrow road that only a few will follow, which leads to where God is, and a wide road. The people tells us where the wide road, chosen by most people, will eventually lead. How often we hear, I don't believe there is a God, or heaven, or stuff like that. And you know, they're quite right. For them, there isn't. Please don't try to sit on the fence. Don't try to file away the matter until a more convenient season. It is of the utmost importance. The writer C.S. Lewis has rightly said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. But for the second daughter, we have good news, because the gospel itself is pure good news. Ruth had no idea what was in store for her. How could she? She had no crystal ball. She just knew one thing. She had seen something in her mother-in-law that motivated her to say, uh, reading from Peterson's version, the message, don't force me to leave you. Don't make me go home. Where you go, I go. And where you live, I'll live. Your people are my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I'll die. And that's where I'll be buried. So help me God, not even death itself is going to come between us. I've often said I was initially drawn to Jesus, not from a sermon, not from a Christian book or daily reading, and I didn't yet know how to properly study a Bible passage. My first glimpse of Jesus was in the lives of Christians, none of whom were perfect, of course, but I wanted what they had. And I will be forever grateful for the salt and light their lives revealed. I was reading an extract from a Spurgeon sermon, which I often do, and came across this passage, which spoke to me of unpremeditated evangelism. That's my description, not his. When the sick Christian is patient, when the poor Christian is cheerful, when the believer in Christ is forgiving, generous, 
tender-hearted, sympathetic, honest, upright, then it is that observers say, here is something worth looking at. Whence came all this excellence? And they take knowledge of them, that they have been with Jesus and that they have learned these things of him. And in that way, they are themselves inclined to become his followers. If you've recently made that commitment to follow Jesus, who truly is the bread of life, and your thoughts have taken you to Bethlehem, consider this. In that tiny village, a baby would be born who would truly be family to Ruth in a way she could never have imagined. What an incredible privilege for Ruth to be related to Jesus. But Ruth would never know that, this side of heaven. However, Matthew 12, verse 50 says, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. As a child of God, you too are related to Jesus. And unlike Ruth, you know it. That is the only relationship that matters in this passage. Ruth could have been persuaded by the direction taken by her sister-in-law, and now, no doubt, her close friend, and joined her arm in arm on the road to nowhere. But she chose to follow the direction taken by Naomi, who made no apparent attempt to encourage her. But there was a new relationship growing. God was drawing this woman to a life that was never going to be easy, but rewarding beyond her, her wildest dreams. We find a picture at the end of this chapter which tugs at the heartstrings. Naomi and a stranger had arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest, which is Passover. This would be the place where the Savior would one day be born and the time when one day the Savior would redeem his people on the cross. Verse 19 says, The whole town was stirred. The King James Version says, Moved. And other versions say, excited. But where are the other three? A family of four, husband, wife, and two sons, went swanning off to Moab in an attempt to evade God's discipline. In Naomi's words, verse 21, I went away full, but the Lord brought me back empty. She focused on the full and the empty and glossed over, I went away. And the Lord brought me back. Jesus told a story like that. A young man went away with his pockets full of his share of an inheritance. It all went pear-shaped. And God drew him back empty amidst, not recriminations, but great excitement and celebration. If you don't know Jesus, I suggest you start with the child of Bethlehem. People from the whole spectrum of society from local, lowly shepherds to eminent magi from the edge of the known world, dropped everything, as sure as the fishermen did drop their nets, and hurried to greet this same Jesus. You have a choice, and you will find it to be the most important choice you ever made. In conclusion, we reflect on the only person in this passage who actually went back. If you feel that you have wandered away from God, and we all have at times. Here is a verse for you and me in the Old Testament. It's in a book I confess I haven't read as much as others. Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 40. Let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. 
In the words of take that, God wants you back for good. It's always the right time to go back to Bethlehem. Amen.